Hello and welcome to Talking Sports Podcast, episode number 30. Today I'm really happy to welcome my first guest on the show from Poland. I met Julia Zions many years ago, I think we hooked up on Facebook. Back then I didn't even realize that Julia was a singer. About a year ago I saw a post of Julia's, I think it was on Facebook again, announcing that her band Krivadrina has released its first album. Curious as I am, I listened to it, loved it very much and since then our connection intensified. So it's a huge pleasure to have Julia as my guest and we are discussing her love towards the languages, culture and traditional music of the Balkans, the so far history of Krivadrina, the difference between an artist and an entertainer, the political situation in Poland and much more. We really enjoyed the conversation a lot, so we hope you will enjoy it as well. And I will be talking to you again at the end of the episode. Hi, Julia. Hi, Armin. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a huge pleasure to have you. I'm very grateful that you are taking the time to be my guest And yeah, we are living in quite a complex time, so to say, right now. And uh, yeah, how are you today and how are you dealing with everything which is happening in the world these days? Well, today I'm fine. <laughs> It, it's been a good day, uh, quite a regular one, I would say. Um, but yeah, the times are not regular at all, and uh, I agree with, with you on that, um, how I deal with it. I, I try to be grateful for all the good things that happen. Um, I try not to panic, even if the situation gets overwhelming. I still try to distance myself, not to the point of, you know, being indifferent, not to the point of ignoring like the bad things that happen but rather by not allowing them to to get to me too much and um yeah i focus on the good things try to spend as much time as i can with the people i love i try to um seek refuge in uh, in music from from all the bad things um and yeah try to be grateful i try to look for some kindness in the world and um and just you know move on with my things <laughs> my outlook is pretty similar and uh i think yeah it might not be easy at times but it works and it's basically the only thing we can do you are a singer so how did music come into your life Gradually, I would say. <laughs> I basically come from a completely non-musical family. Of course, like people listen to music and um, uh, everyone likes it, but no one really is so obsessed with it or, or you know, doing it in, in any way. So um, the first memory I have that music really played a very important part in my life was singing Christmas carols with my grandpa. Um, it was, yeah, I, I was very little. Um, and we were sitting together by the window, you know, in winter, 
think at Christmas time and Polish Christmas carols are really beautiful. And he used to sing them to me and teach me some. So this is like the earliest memory I have with music that really warms my heart. <laughs> and uh, But then, I don't know, I never really thought that I'm, you know, I will ever become a musician. It was just somewhere near me, but it was never a part of my life. Then suddenly, at the age of 17, I think, I decided to learn how to sing. I mean, I wanted to... I wanted to try music because I really liked listening to it. I liked how it made me feel. So I was thinking how about trying to do it myself. Then I had to pick an instrument. And then I thought that maybe actually singing wouldn't be such a bad idea. Because I always wanted to have my instrument with me. And it was like, you know, the perfect, <laughs> the perfect scenario for that. I signed up for, for some um, music school for four kids in my hometown. Um, and I started learning, then, I don't know, I wanted actually to be, to study acting, but it didn't work out. But as a part of preparation for, you know, for, for the exams, entry exams for, for the, um, theater academy, I had to learn to sing like voice emission and everything. Um, but still it was such an abstract idea for me that I could really do it, like, you know, for real, like, for, like seriously. Um, then I started studying something else, um, started studying um, Croatian and Serbian language and literature. And then music re-entered my life because I got to know um, music from, from former Yugoslavia, which I completely fell in love with. And it made, it, it gave me, like, new motivation, you know, to, to sing and to to, to, to live with music all the time. And uh, it took me some time to, to gather enough um, self-confidence and to become brave enough to, to actually try and, and uh, go, you know, go on stage, join a band, uh, do something about it. Um, but it's been a couple of years now and, uh, and it's becoming more and more um, an integral part of my life, actually. So it's still in progress, I would say. <laughs> and I cannot tell you one particular moment where where it's when it started. It, it's been a constant, you know, process and progress in my case. I think it's a lifelong journey in some way, right? Yeah. But uh, I, w while I was listening to what you said, I had one thought because, like, you know, observing... So, so many musicians who I got to play with or who I got to meet in my life. And also from my own experience, you know, becoming a bassist at a very young age. I somehow think that, you know, the, with the people who really are in, in music for, for the love of music and for the passion, somehow, you know, the instrument they choose or the role they, they choose to have, like, let's say, in a band, It's always connected to their personality. You told me about how you started singing, but do you know what I mean when I say this? Like, you know, I, I think, for instance, when I was a kid, I was singing too, and I even won a singing competition, but, wow. I, wouldn't, but I would never be a singer because it's just not my place to be, mm. you know? Do you think there's something some connection between your choice being a vocalist to your personality? What I can notice or, or what I can 
stay. Um, being a vocalist is also very much about using words and, you know, connecting not only with with notes, not only with sounds, but also with words. And it's all it's always been a very important thing to me. I've always been in love with literature and uh, with poetry and um, um, also learning foreign languages. So so the power of language, the power of words has always fascinated me. So this is a way to, to combine it. Um, I know it's not quite about my personality, rather about some some preferences or some some uh, other passions that I have. But uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, also, it, it's a way of expressing that really fulfills me. I mean, when I think I really can express emotions, I, I cannot, I couldn't express otherwise. Yeah, so it makes a lot of sense. And I mean, yeah, that's when I listen to you sing and or when I see you, that's the feeling which I have. But I just wanted to ask to, to hear it from your perspective. You know, you just mentioned that you love music from traditional music from the Balkans and especially from what used to be Yugoslavia. Could you say something about how did you know how this did start for you? Yeah, sure. So, huh. It started actually even before I went to university. Um, it was back in time when internet wasn't, you know, I mean, we all already had it, but it wasn't, there wasn't so much content. And the, the exchange of music that we have now w wasn't possible. So no YouTube, no Spotify, no anything. So I think the first, contact I had with the music from former Yugoslavia was um, at the Eurovision Song Contest that I used to watch with my parents. And <laughs> I think it, you know, it, it corresponds, you may laugh, but <laughs> but it actually corresponds to with, with the with the basic idea of the contest to have different, you know, people from different countries across Europe to be able to listen to, to the music of other guys, you know, other countries. So, so this is how it worked for me, even when I was a kid. And somehow, always from all of the songs, all of the content there, I somehow always liked the uh, ex-Yugoslavian entries the most. So I started digging a little bit. Then I think in high school, I discovered uh, Yugoslav New Wave by accident. I was like reading some article, Googling some stuff, and then... Suddenly, I, I came across this, so I discovered some bands. I started listening to them. I liked it. Then I discovered, I mean, discovered, um, I started listening to, to Goran Begovic, who is very popular in Poland because he recorded an album with a very popular Polish singer, Kaya. They recorded an album together, so basically he's very well known in, in Poland right now. Um, so that was the, the very beginning, but then when I went to the university, when I started studying languages and, and, uh, cultures, um, of, of these countries, I also started, um, discovering other artists, um, also through, uh, my partner who comes from, uh, from Ex-Yugoslavia. He also, you know, gave me a few hints on, on some, then some musicians. So that was the second, I would say, the second um, 
wave for me. And then the more I knew, of course, the more I started discovering on my own and, and just exploring. And I, I keep exploring until until now. So I'm not done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's so funny, you know, because when you mentioned the Eurovision Song Contest, I can, of course, understand. But what's actually very sad about the Eurovision Song Contest is that we mostly don't get to see the real valuable things you know so it's that's true yeah i mean there's exceptions of course but you know what i mean i mean you are actually practically singing songs in bosnian serbian croatian whatever we want to name it and you are doing it pretty authentically thank you for one thing this kind of music is especially the traditional stuff is quite challenging for a singer you know, just the technical aspects of it and, and the emotional aspect of it. And then there's another thing which you already mentioned is, you know, you have also to be able to master the language. Yeah, so it would be interesting to know, you know, how, how you approach it. For instance, when you learn a song or when you write. Well, first I focus on, on the emotion. That is always the starting point for me. And on the lyrics, on the story behind this, this particular song how what feelings does it describe but also what feelings does it you know um does does it make me feel so so this is this is my starting point and yeah i i definitely focus on the on the melody on the melodic aspect as well um and then i try to well then from the vocal point of view i of course try to analyze what's the like what is the trick behind this this um, this particular emission because of course like different countries different region different genres they all have their own characteristics and i try to listen and learn first by imitating so of course i don't want to sound like the, I, I don't want to imitate anyone in the end i want to you know have my own voice and and my own expression but when it comes purely to to the voice emission i need to gather some some things some tricks from from the singer that i learned it from so that i originally hear it from i always also try to listen to different versions if for example there are some traditional songs that have been um interpreted by many different artists so i always try to um, I always try to listen to, to at least several versions by different vocalists to to compare, but also not to be stuck with just one way of doing it, because each one of them had their own way of interpreting, their own voice, their own um, way to tell the same. So it's the same story, but it was tell, told differently by different um, artists. And obviously I want to tell it my way, but... I want also to get inspired by the way they did it. Yeah. So, so this is it. I also, if I have a chance to attend some workshops with uh, with musicians uh, um, that specialize in these particular genres, I always try to do it. <laughs> um, this is also a great, um, always a great lesson to be able to learn directly uh, from from people who who do that, who specialize in that and who can, you know, share, share their, their knowledge with, uh, with me. It's, it's very precious. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and how about the language part? I mean, you mentioned that you studied mm -hmm. the languages, but I mean, I could ask you, you know, what, what made you go that path? Uh, so as I, as I already told you, I wasn't accepted to uh, the theater academy. I wanted to try again in one year, and I figured that, okay, I need to sign up for some other studies in the meantime. So it was a backup one, actually. That turned out to be the greatest life plan. But, you know, <laughs> but back in, 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 uh, back in the day, I, it was a backup plan. So I thought, if I sign up for other studies, if I resign after a year, I have nothing. But if I resign after one year of language studies, I, I, have, I will have already mastered the language to a certain level. So, and a language is always a treasure. So if, if I manage to spend this one year to learn a language that I like, um, even if I live after a year, I don't live with nothing. So, so that was my main motivation and why I chose particularly this path. I was back then very much fascinated with my um, Slavic origin and, and heritage. And I was really fascinated how, you know, all Slavic cultures are somehow connected and have the same roots and how we are all similar but different. <laughs> and with, um, with former Yugoslavia, it was even more because, you know, we are still quite far away from each other, geographically speaking, but also culturally speaking. So it was very familiar and very different in the, at the same time. And it, it's really what fascinated me. And main reason why I decided uh, to, to, to choose this path. And after the year, I, I loved it already so much that I didn't want to tr even try again, you know, for, for the <laughs> acting studies. <laughs> I found my place. Um, literally and figuratively <laughs> so. yeah cool but would you say like you know as you are a person who's able to speak several languages like very well did this fact change anything for you in your life yeah definitely um as i said for me every language is is a treasure and um a tool that opens new doors Because it helps you connecting with people on an entirely different level. And it opens you the doors to different cultures. And um, it also, I don't know, for me personally, it, it really helped me to open my mind for, for other, like other cultures, other, um, other people, other backgrounds. And... It's enabled me to, to get to know, you know, more than, um, yeah, it, it definitely opened some, some, some doors for me. It uh, showed me some new horizons in terms of um, different countries, different cultures, as, as I say. And um, it's a very, it's a great feeling to be able to communicate with, you know, with people and to connect with people. So... It's also very comfortable sometimes. It's just even pr from pragmatic reason, you know, if you travel and you are able to really deal with almost every situation because you know the language, it's super comfortable. But also on this on this higher level of just getting to know people, connecting with people, and understanding their background, understanding their culture, it's it's really priceless. The language, of course, always transports 
you know, not just that what you want to say or what you are listening to when somebody's talking to you, but also, you know, it's a, it's a means of transport for the way of life yeah. people are living, I think, you know. And for me, I also think it has changed my the way how I think and how I feel. It's actually scientifically proven that when people um, when people are bilingual or multilingual, when they change the language they use at the moment, they it automatically changes their way of thinking because it's so interconnected that um, of course it's not like you become a completely different person with a different uh, personality, but it definitely changes some things that you know some ways that uh, that your brain takes at the moment we could talk about this for a long time i guess because it's really deep and it happens on so many but what i also like you know for me very interesting also just w within one language like, like let's say german or even serbo croatian bosnian i find it very interesting to explore like the little regional differences and stuff you know and, and And not only that, but also the question how a language is developing within, like, how it's developing over time. Like, for instance, in Germany now, when, how are you, when you hear young people talking, there are so many different influences, mm. which, which are there now, which have not been there like 30 years ago when I learned German, when I came here. So I, I find this very fascinating you know, to observe and, and notice like the little things, you know, it's, it's amazing. Yes, definitely. Yeah. You mentioned traveling. So I'm sure you have been traveling to the to countries of what used to be Yugoslavia. So how, how would you describe the experiences you made there on your travels? In one word, amazing. <laughs> But if I'm supposed to um, elaborate on, on that a little bit. So, um, yeah, I've been there several times. I've spent, um, I, I try to travel at least once a year, um, either to Croatia or Bosnia or Serbia. These are like the countries I, I visit the most. Um, I've been also to Belgrade for one semester on a student exchange. So it was like a longer experience. Of course, it's very helpful if you can stay somewhere longer, long enough to, to, to explore uh, the culture more. Um, and every time I'm there, it, it feels like home, actually. I mean, I don't want, I don't want to invite myself <laughs> or to impose myself, but, uh, But I must say, it really, it really feels like home, and um, the um, the attitude of the people I meet there, their their hospi uh, hospitality and uh, kindness, and the way, I mean, how friendly and, and open they are, um, I really love it, really. And I, of course, I am aware, and I feel sometimes, or or hear, or understand the the more dark dramatic backgrounds of you know of of these countries of of uh, this of this region and i never ignore it i'm always very mindful of that and and res like respectful for for it and um it breaks my heart sometimes to listen to some stories and 
to to wit witness or listen to some some stories some things um but still i think this is a very unique part of the world that needs to be protected and and cherished because the the people there the culture the music they i don't know the the feeling you have when when you just come there as an outsider or half outsider because you speak the language but you're still an outsider but the way you are welcomed it's amazing and it, it really feels like a second home for me uh, that's very nice to hear and of course i agree with you know what you said but at the same time this is something i was thinking about a lot you know because it's it's so it's a very paradox You know, on the one hand, the hospitality and, and the vibe and, you know, and then on the other hand, like 30 years ago, <laughs> we fucking killed each other. It's, it's something for me with my, you know, with my background and my story, it's something I'm thinking about still. And it's very hard to get those two together. You know, it's, it's like, I don't, I, I have not come to any conclusions on this, but it's, very hard to combine those two you know yeah i know what you mean and i've been wondering the same actually i i wouldn't i wouldn't even try to answer this question because i know i am aware that even after so many years of living somehow inside of this or or at the verge of this culture and and knowing the people and everything i know I will never truly understand and comprehend what happened without, you know, ha having experienced it. Yeah. So I try to be, I mean, I am compassionate about it and I do my best to understand, but I know I will never be able to understand it. Yeah, because you, because you can't, if, you know, I can yeah. like, uh, even for me who, who has experienced it, it took a lot of time like many, many years to understand some things. And I don't even know. I mean, I could tell you, or maybe I already did tell you some, you know, stories how, how, which I experienced yeah. in the nineties, but, but I mean, I can tell you about it. I can report to you, but I, you know, to de really describe the feeling it's impossible. And I, I like to say, I really hope that none of us would have to experience something like this ever again. I mean, it's happening everywhere in the world or it's at any time it's happening, but, but it's something, you know, it's not possible to really transfer it. Yeah. But we have a different means like music, which is yeah. way more beautiful and more powerful also. I think, yeah. And uh, together with uh, some other musicians from Krakow, in Poland, you founded the band Kriva Drina. Yes. How did the band come together? And, you know, because I have to precise a little bit, because actually, you know, it's, it's not that common <laughs> that some guys from Poland decide they, they would do a band which, which plays this kind of music. And of course, you have, a, you know, you, you have already s talked about, about your personal connection to it but from there it's you know to find an other people who who are on the same page in some way so can you please 
talk about the band. Yeah, of course. Um, actually, how we came together, it was it was a little bit of a coincidence, like very lucky coincidence or fate, if if you prefer. I um, would prefer fate. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so 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 it was it was it definitely fate's doing. Um, I was really looking or or dreaming about having a band like this for for quite some time, um, and together with one friend that is on the band um, as well, we uh, we went to some singing workshops, uh, Balkan traditional songs um, singing workshop. Uh, here in Poland, uh, not so far from Krakow. And there we met a guy also from Krakow, a guitarist who participated in, in the same workshop because he was interested in, in this kind of music. Um, so after we came back, not without any um, obstacles, but after some time, after another lucky coincidence uh, or fate, we uh, we managed to to meet for a couple of rehearsals, and it actually went into a very good direction. So we started um, also looking for for some other guys to to join. Some of them were people we used to collaborate bef with before on some other projects, um, and some of them joined just by. Another coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> so, for example, like the most funny story I think is with our uh, with our percussionist um, Koi. Um, we had another drummer in the band, uh, and before our very first concert, so like the very first premiere concert of Krivadrina, and two hours before we are supposed to get on stage, our percussionist calls us and says she has some very difficult family situation and she cannot come. So our violinist Paola called her um, uh, called her boyfriend back then. Now he's her husband. But um, back then um, she, she called her boyfriend to who also played percussion instruments. If he's free that evening and he, if he could come and help us out, you know, and uh, like play as, as as backup for for that girl and he really arrived like one hour before the concert he arrived no rehearsal ever <laughs> and he played the whole concert with us um and after that when it turned out that the the other um percussionist cannot stay uh because of her situation he we we immediately asked him hey do you want to play with us like forever because because it really worked great uh, so so this is this is just one one example how how crazy and and um unforeseen the circumstances were on how some members joined but all of us have some connection to um uh, to this music so um the girls, Paula and Magda, they also um, studied uh, Serbian and Croatian. And uh, the other guys came into, you know, got the connection with, with this music in, in different ways by traveling there, by, by listening to music, just by, by being curious about it, uh, by working on some other projects as well. So each of us has their own connection, <laughs> but we managed to... Um, 
to put it all together and and create something together. Yeah, and I think uh, it's beautiful. You know, can you talk about the name and tell me why you chose this name for the band and maybe explain what it what it's up to? You know, because it's actually very funny. Yeah, sure. So there is this expression in in um, Serbian, Bosnian, Croatian, "ispravljati um, krivadrina," and um, so so like trying to change something that cannot be changed. And I always liked it very much, um, the expression and how it sounded. And also, I really love the Drina River. I mean, I think it's the most beautiful or one of the most beautiful rivers I've seen in my life. So the color, the water, the, the mountains around, I don't know, I, I cannot even describe it, but I, if, if someone can be in love with the river, then I'm definitely in love with Brina. So it also played a very important part. And one of my favorite books is also um, um, Nadrini Cupria, so the, the, the Bridge Over Drina, I think it's in, in English, um, by Ivo Andri. So it all came together somehow. And when we were thinking about the name for, for the band, um, I actually came up with this one. I explained to the guys and some of them knew the expression already and uh, they agreed. So this is, this is how it happened. <laughs> yeah, I think it's wonderful. And it fits, you know, it, it fits to the way you play and you sing. I think in fall of last year, you guys released your debut album. Yes. What happened since then? Oh, since then we were mostly trying to, I mean, we were mostly playing concerts, playing gigs. Uh, we were trying to promote the album. It's our first, so we had to learn a little bit, you know, on the marketing side, I would say, of things, because this is, um, this is all, for me at least, this is always the, the difficult part, because You get so excited about making music and recording music, and then re you record the album, uh, the album, and then you release it, and then what? And you suddenly have to think, okay, but how do we, you know, how we, do we do it that it actually reaches um, reaches people, reaches the audience? So of course, um, on one hand, we focus on on playing the the concerts. On the other hand, we were trying to, you know, um, figure it out, how promotion in social media works and how we can, you know, how else can we make ourselves uh, visible to the audience and how can we make sure that our um, album gets to, uh, you know, to some people and get listened to. That was the task back then. But still we focused mostly on... Uh, on playing live because this is what gives us the most, um, you know, this is the most exciting part and this is really what gets us going and this is what makes us happy. Actually, this kind of music needs to be experienced live. And uh, now that you mentioned concerts and playing live, in July, so not too long ago, you guys were able to play at the Rudolstadt Festival. And for those who don't know about it, Rudolstadt Festival is the biggest and most prestigious German festival for what is referred to as world music. And it's also one of the biggest in Europe. So actually quite a, you know, quite a good thing, I would say, for a band which is an, just started basically not too long ago. So how was this experience for you guys? 
It was absolutely amazing and fantastic. Um, we are very grateful that we could, you know, be a part of it because the event itself, um, the atmosphere, the way it was organized and everything was, was just perfect. <laughs> and of course, it was a great experience for us. Um, very, very nice one. We got to spend some time together at the festival. So, so that was great. Um, we got to experience something new because it was the first time we played um, abroad. So um, outside of Poland, it was it was also very exciting for us. Uh, we got to know wonderful audience at uh, at Rudolstadt because really I, I was amazed by how um, how well the audience was responding and how open they were and how how much energy they they gave back actually it was it was really um great so so yeah um as as far as as Rudolstadt is concerned we loved and i think i can speak for the whole band uh we loved every minute of it <laughs> this is what's really what you just said this is what's really special about this particular festival you know, that you have so many people coming together from so many different parts of Germany or Europe or the world and also so many different musicians and that actually everybody is just having a great time. Definitely. And apart from, from performing ourselves, which was great experience, um, I also appreciated the chance to, to listen to some other musicians um, and... Uh, I, I enjoyed other concerts also very, very much. Yeah, and I enjoyed, you had two performances of which I was able to see the second one, and I enjoyed it a lot. So for everybody who's listening to our conversation, if you get the chance to see Rivadrina, you should go. I would recommend. Thank you for recommending us. <laughs> no, no, but I'm serious. I mean, it's really beautiful. So up to now... If I'm informed correctly, you are not a full-time musician, by which I mean that you are working in another line of work to make a living. That's correct. So is it your goal to change this? Yeah, one day I would definitely like to, you know, to become a full-time musician. Although I, I must say I really like my job. I finally found one that makes me happy because before I did some corporate jobs and they, well... Just to say, not to say too much, but they didn't always make me very happy or even they, they make me quite tired and frustrated. The job I have now um, is really great. And I'm not saying it just in case my boss is listening to it. <laughs> I really <laughs> I really mean it. <laughs> so, um, but still, you know, it, even if I like my regular job, it doesn't give me as much happiness and satisfaction as music does so so my end goal and my big dream is to become a full-time musician yes yeah yes and i mean i can as as we already have talked privately a lot i can only confirm you in this because i think it's worth it you know and it's it's very much possible, in my opinion, as well. But at the same time, you know, it's good what you just said. It's good if you have the situation where the job you do is giving you pleasure and it's, you know, it's, you have a good time doing it because then 
you're you know you're not, not under any pressure to force the the goal of having a professional career in music also you know fr from there um, makes me think about something else which is kind of connected and this is like you know having the urge to to create art and express yourself in an artistic way is a very different approach from you know from the one of being an entertainer in the first place and sometimes those two can go together but very often they actually don't so could you share your perspective on this like um yeah i think um i first of all i fully agree with you that it can go together but sometimes it doesn't it, like the, the two aspects don't go together so well um as i already said at the beginning what's most important for me are the emotions and the stories that we tell us as musicians not only singers because you can tell a story also everybody with your instrument yeah but this is the most important thing to me um and maybe well maybe i look at it too much through my my whole my own perspective through my own lens but whenever i go to a concert um I don't always look for entertainment. I, of course, I appreciate if the band can make me jump and laugh and dance and sing with them. And, you know, um, but this is a different, different kind of, of, um, experiencing music, which I like, but it, which is not the most important for me because the concerts I remember the most and that the songs that stayed with me the longest and the performances that stayed with me the longest and really made me feel I mean like you know emotions I cannot even describe were not the ones that you would describe as and like entertaining ones so if we understand entertainment as actually you know playing energetic music to you know make people dance and enjoy it sure it's nice it's 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 great and i think some people really need it especially as we already said the times are difficult and sometimes you just want to forget everything and you know go out there and dance and have fun and it's perfectly fine and if these emotions are genuine it's also beautiful but I don't think it's 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 necessary or that it's the only way to do it, you know? Um for me I don't know. I, yeah. Emotions and, and stories. This is <laughs> this yeah. is the most important thing for me. Yeah, and, and you know, I can relate so much because basically I'm happy that you said it. It's not just you cannot only tell a story by singing. And from my point of view, Actually, you know, this is the biggest chance any musician will ever have, the chance to tell his or her story. And we can do that by any means available in music. I think we are pretty much on the same page, uh, you know, when this is concerned. And of course, uh, there's so many aspects to it. We could talk 
just about this we could talk for an hour now. Oh yeah. <laughs> but I was just interested to find out, you know, your your perspective because it's yeah, maybe it's also something which you know a decision which needs to be taken at some point. Or I don't know. I mean, it's different for everyone. And I would also say, you know, it's not. I mean, I have my perspective, uh, but it's only for me. It's only valid for myself. But I think it's good if we, if we look for the company of those who have similar perspectives or similar feelings towards it. Yeah, maybe one thing I, if 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 I may um, yeah. add, I like being an entertainer in terms of connecting with the audience. So I definitely, you know, like connecting and making people laugh, making people feel, saying things that you know cause a reaction and and just really having this this sort of connection so if if you interpret that as entertainment then yes i'm, I'm all in <laughs> but when it comes to music itself um i don't think entertainment like in the way we usually understand it uh is the most important thing i agree I agree to a hundred percent. Being a musician and a singer, when I when I think about myself, it was always like you know that I and still it didn't change. I always used to have some dreams, you know, things I dreamed about. For instance, to play with somebody, or you know, do you have anything like it when you think about yourself in music? Do you have? Are there things? which you are dreaming of or you wish for you to happen in the future? Absolutely. <laughs> so I, I dream or I actually plan. It's not even a dream. It's a plan to learn to play an instrument well enough to, you know, to be able to accompany myself and uh, to become a little bit more independent when it comes to um to making music and to playing um also i would like to focus on songwriting more i would like to to learn to do it better and to do it more more often to um to be more creative when it comes to this but these are more plans they are not dreams because this is actually something i can work on and i do uh when it comes to dreams I have a list of musicians in my head with whom I would love to um, to play together on, on one stage and with whom I would love to, to collaborate. And I'm name not some, saying it, name some. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm not saying it only because you are the host of, of this podcast, but you are one of them. <laughs> I would say this will happen definitely. And yeah, you know, you know that I'm generally a fan of, of Royal Street Orchestra, and this is actually how we got in touch in the first place. So, so you know, if there was a chance to to collaborate with you guys, that would be definitely a dream come true. Uh, there are also some some other people, but maybe I will mention them because you know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but I mean, even if you don't mention it, I think it's important, and we have talked about it privately as well. Mm -hmm. uh, it's important for us to have those, this kind of feelings and thoughts in our hearts and and minds, because basically, you know, 
I mean, I have made the experience that this type of stuff, it it can get real when time is right for it. So I can only, you know, encourage everyone to dream and imagine, imagine things which are not realistic maybe at all. But when I think when the intention is pure, you know, when it's coming from respect and love towards music, then chances are when you put in the work additionally, chances are that things will happen. I'm very confident in this. And as far as we are concerned, I think it's very realistic. <laughs> you know. Sounds good. I'm looking forward. <laughs> yeah. And also what, what you said, um, it's a beautiful message and I fully agree to that. And, and thank you for, for spreading such a message. And it's also it's also important to me also to, to, to hear it from, from someone else because I am a dreamer. I definitely am a dreamer, but I think all of us need to hear something like this from somebody else from time to time. Yeah, I think so. And, and I mean, I can share that message because it's coming from my experience. But also, if you, <clears throat> you know, if you take it from another perspective, think about the people you love and respect, the musicians you love and respect the most, or like people who are really successful, who made big things happen. Basically, it's a good to realize that everybody starts at zero. You know, everybody starts little and and with nothing, basically, you know, most people do. And, and I think in order to get anywhere, it starts with, with what we can imagine. It really starts with, uh, with our imagination. And, and as I just said, like, yeah, I think when, when the intention is pure and true, there's actually no limits to what, you know, what can be achieved. So maybe for a little moment we take another, we take a detour from music, let's say. Because as you are the first guest on this show who's coming from Poland, which I find very beautiful, you know, to, to, to have so many people from so many different countries and places on this show, I would like to talk to you a little bit about Poland. And similar as Yugoslavia, Poland has been a communist country for a very long time. Did you, when you were a little kid, did you experience any effects of this, like during your childhood? Not directly, because I was actually born the moment the communism, the communism was falling apart. So um, I didn't experience the, the communist times. I know them mostly from the stories I hear from my parents. Um, and and some other family members um, and um, people from from their generation. Um, I do remember that when I was a very very little kid, it was still well compared to now. It was still you know challenging in terms of the standard of living or the things you could or could not buy in shops like the. The variety of products was nothing compared to what we have now. And um, I vaguely remember all, all these things as a very little kid. But then things started actually going very well for for Poland. So all in all, I must say, in, in terms of the political and economical situation, the time of my childhood was actually very comfortable. I understand. Yeah, but you know, if if we look at Poland nowadays, 
Of course, I'm observing it from the distance which I have by living in Germany. But so correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, you know, like Jaroslav Kaczynski and and his right wing and very conservative uh, PiS is it correct? The pronunciation PiS party. Uh, they have been in power now for a very long time already. And actually, you know, what I think very often, like, you know, a country which has been under communist rule for so long, one should think that, you know, people would be voting for liberal and open-minded ways of building a society. But as we can witness, I mean, not only in Poland, but actually in many countries in Europe and all around the world, maybe during the last 10 or 15 years, you know, the opposite is the case. Very often people go for, you know, they, they don't go for the liberal ways and they go for very often, you know, the populistic uh, way of uh, politics is on the rise. And so how would you describe from your point of view the situation in Poland right now? Mm -hmm. So you're absolutely right about the, the right-wing domination and, and tendencies and um i think the reason like there of course the reasons are complex but on one hand it is a sort of a trend we observe in entire europe as you said um or not only in europe also in the in the united states it was yeah or uh, the brazil case is the case um but um i think the reason one of the reasons one of the main reasons why it looks like this in Poland uh, it's definitely the role and the influence of the Catholic Church which, which is very um, very influential and very powerful also politically so of course in the Polish Constitution there is um, a statement about um, you know the, separation. the division between state yeah. and church but it's just in theory you know in in practice it doesn't it, it's non-existent. So the church has a lot of political power and it actually dates back to communist times because in the communist times it was the church, it was the um, the Pope, the Polish Pope who actually said, like fought against communism. So this is when people really started, you know, believing the church and when the church got to a very strong position also on the political scene. And it's been like this ever since. And this is why, um, so the ruling party has very strong ties with the, with the church, with the church officials. And um, this is partially, this is one of the fundaments on which they, they build their political power. And uh, also some other, um, some other aspects that actually caused um, the return to, to some very conservative ideas um, worldwide and the same, or especially in, uh, in Europe, the same reasons also influenced Poland because um, when peace won the, I think the last election, it was the time of the refugee crisis. And yeah, of course, 2015, people, I think, right? Yeah, people were afraid, you know, um, to, to the atmosphere of an endangerment and uh, you know the the atmosphere of fear was very present so in such cases people rather tend to vote for politicians who offer them stability and you know like 
closed border, safe country, whatnot. And this was also one of the reasons why why they did what they did. Um, now they have access, of course, to to the national media, which is. Um, I'm sorry, I don't want to get very political, but since you asked <laughs> about my personal opinion, <laughs> um, so what was going on on the on the public media in Poland? It's it, it's a circus. So it's you know it's it's propaganda bullshit. Pardon my French. Um, it's really um, they have now many tools to actually brainwash people to convince people that they are the best and they are the only option and they are feeding the fears of people like you know if some values promoted by by the catholic church and by peace if these values are abolished then there is no more hope for polish nation because this is our fundament etc etc it's also there's also a lot of hate speech against certain groups there's a lot of hate speech um, against lgbt community uh which is also yeah it's, it's just you know providing some i don't know um cheap enforcement for for the people who who are conservative um this is sort of dragging them to to their side by creating some sort of um ideological war in the society because obviously people who are more liberal and people who are more progressive in their views they don't want this and they want to fight this and also the the abortion law um that they introduced and and everything that's going on in terms of minorities rights and women's rights and human rights so of course there is a huge part of society that wants to, you know, to fight for, for these rights and for this cause. So we are basically in a constant state of um, ideological war within the nation, <laughs> which is sad. Yes, very much so. But, you know, what I find very hard to, to understand is like, I mean, it's not what I'm saying now is no news, but one thinks very often, I mean, it's similar in, in like Bosnia or Serbia, Croatia. I mean, th those people, they, they have experienced like a very dramatic and, and tragic war, you know, where so many people died, so many were displaced. And even like close to 30 years after the war finished, the wars finished, everybody's still voting for the, for the fucking nationalists. And I'm like, okay, but how is possible that we are not able to learn from history, you know, even after, even if the, after having experienced it yourself. And of course, as you said in the beginning, I mean, it's a very complex conglomerate of many different levels on which is, on which it's playing out, but still very hard to understand. But uh, I would like to ask you a very naive question, <laughs> you know, connected to this. What do you think, you know, what, what would need to happen? for this to change? I mean, if, even if you take just Poland, like where you are at home. Mm. Huh. I think people would need to realize all the, all the negative things, all the bad things um, that this party and this, this government is, is causing. 
actually now Poland is in a very bad economical situation because of several factors. It all started with COVID, then the the, the war in Ukraine and um, other things that happen in the world at the moment. And I think people started, some people, I hope, at least some people started realizing that the politics of this and economics of this of this government are not safe for the country because they just, you know, they introduce some um, social programs, which I'm, I'm absolutely a fan of social programs, if they are smart and if they are really targeted at the communities in need. But what the what the government does, they basically buy votes by giving people money, and then the budget. It's it's very of of course it's a simplification for from me. But but it it it, it basically works like this. They create some things that are attractive from like you know they introduce some solutions that are very attractive from the PR perspective. Like hey. They are supporting families, they are supporting older people, they are supporting this group and this group, but it's all just giving away money in order to, to buy votes. They never support groups if they know that they don't have support from these groups anyway. So they just aim at the groups, you know, that that can actually, that they know that there is high chance that these groups will vote for them. Um, and also there are many very incompetent people up there who make very stupid decisions and who who waste public money on just you know on their just because of their incompetency or because of their greed because they either steal the money or waste the money instead of making sure that our you know country budget is is okay and even if we face some difficulties that we will be able to somehow make it as as a whole. They did not, and now we are we are all facing consequences of that. And people are getting more and more angry. So I think this is one of the things that can happen. Unfortunately, by the cost of everyone getting you know struggling or many people struggling for for to to make ends meet. But people are slowly starting to realize that. This government is not the best option for 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 the country. Um, this is one of the things that is happening. What else must happen? I think some politicians would have to disappear one way or another uh, from the political scene. I don't know, retire, whatever, step down. I don't want to say any names, <laughs> but there are some some politicians that um, would need to somehow step down from their functions. And um, I don't know. I there is hope. I really see among uh, like younger generations, younger people that they have different way of thinking, and they 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 look at world differently, and they expect different things. Uh, which is good. Um, during the black protests in in Poland, um, so so the the one for for women's rights after the the new abortion law was uh, introduced, I saw many very young girls and and boys as well uh, at these protests, which really made me hopeful because I think 
in the long run, we need a generational change in the politics, but also among voters to, you know, to change the situation. But I cannot tell you what exactly would have like would need to to happen. I see some some positive trends. I see also some bad things that can bring good results, like the economical situation, as I as I told you. But honestly, it's um it's very complicated, and I'm not um a, an expert on politics and economy to <laughs> to come up with a solution. Yes, but I mean we cannot solve it, of course, and it's not our. I mean we we are musicians. You know, we can contribute in some ways, maybe. But what you said in the end, I think, is very important because what I think very often is, you know, we have a there's one. I think the highest bet we can bet is to educate the next generations in a different way and to show them, you know, that there's there's many different ways to go than this. So I th I think you know that's something we can bet our hopes on and work on too and it Definitely. works <laughs> it works very fine with music i think you know that's something we can there's a where we can make a little contribution since you talked about the connection between church and state in poland to anyone listening who's maybe interested there's a great movie which is covering this topic in a great way as i think called claire yeah And I don't know, like when I watched it last year, it was available on Netflix. So Oh, really? Yeah. In Germany, it's on Netflix. Mm, and I, I would recommend it to anyone who's interested in this because... Um, yeah, yeah, it's quite heavy. It's heavy, so yeah. I mean, it's a heavy it's topic. You to prepare yourself in advance because it, it really um, touches some very difficult topics, like uh, especially the problem of pedophilia in, in the church and... Um, um, and different sorts of abuse. So it's definitely not a, a movie to, to watch lightly. <laughs> no, no, no. But, um, but it's but a very it's, good uh, one. It definitely tells a very important story and um, touches very important topics. And also, um, yeah, I would recommend it as well, definitely. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so, you know, maybe we uh, we move away from politics And I would say, you know, if we are, we are approaching the end of our conversation for today, I will now ask you five very short, brief questions. And I would like to invite you to provide very short and brief answers to them. I'll try. As you probably noticed, I'm not very good in providing brief answers, but I'll do my best. Yeah, I mean, they, they can also, they don't have to necessarily be brief, but, you know, Well, let's just try. Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. <Hit me. laughs> yeah, okay. Number one. Bozo Recho or Damir Imamovic? <sighs> Damir Imamovic. <laughs> okay. All right. It wasn't it wasn't that difficult. <laughs> okay. Even though I really love Bozo, especially from his older albums. And I'm grateful to him because thanks to him I discovered Real Street Orchestra, but I think Damir is by far my absolutely favorite musician and singer. So no one can actually compete with him. <laughs> All right, yeah. Okay, number two. Burek or Cevapcici? 
burek because I'm vegan. <laughs> and you can make All a right. vegan burek, but you cannot make vegan <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm sorry. I forgot about it. <laughs> no, it's I, fine. I didn't think about it. Yes, but 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 I mean we have to know that actually in Bosnia burek yeah. In Bosnia, burek is always with meat. So yeah. the other ones, the the vegan ones, are not called burek. Yeah. I had vegan chapatici <laughs> once, like they were made with some meat substitute, and and they were delicious. So I will go with vegan chapatici. <laughs> All right, okay. Number three, do you like disco polo? I hate it. I absolutely hate it. <laughs> I I despise it. <laughs> Yeah, maybe for for those who don't know, maybe you can briefly tell like what what it is. Okay, so this and why you don't is... like it? <laughs> why I hate it? <laughs> so um, disco polo is um, a very popular music genre in Poland. Um, it's very yeah, it's it's very popular, especially like on parties and. Um, It's the kind of music that is it's very simple. This is why people learn it very fast because the, the melodies are very simple and the rhythm is simple, which is not a problem. I'm absolutely a fan of simplicity in music, but in disco polo is it's most of the people who make this music, they don't even like they cannot sing, they cannot play music, they I don't want to um, depreciate anyone as a musician, but most of the guys who do this music really have very little musical skills, I would say. And this music is very... So the lyrics are very obscene. They are usually about... Um, some, they usually bear some erotic content, but, you know, this very bad kind of erotic content because you can write a lyrics that are full of erotic tension and they are beautiful and nice. But in Disco Polo, it's just very literal and very obscene and somehow sometimes even disgusting. And it's this kind of music that if you listen to it long enough, it sort of washes your brain because it's very repetitive and it doesn't bring much content to think about. So... It like it, it could literally wash your brain. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it re it's similar to what we know as turbo folk in yes, in Yugoslavia. I would say it's although I would say this Coppola is still worse than turbo folk. Maybe I like turbo folk more because of the you know foreign vibe. You know, but... I, I would say they are pretty <laughs> much alike actually because both are addressing like you know the lowest instincts instinct the same, of human function. Yes, and they 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 are based on the same mechanisms. That's true. Yeah, definitely. So you can definitely so disco polo is the Polish turbo folk. Yes. Don't listen to disco polo <laughs> if you ask us. <laughs> okay, number four. If you would be at freedom to choose a place to live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Either Belgrade or Sarajevo or Istanbul. Okay. Very concrete. Yes. And not too far away. So number five and the last one is, what is your biggest dream? I think we already discussed it today. My biggest dream is to become a full-time musician and 
you know, live from music and with music every day and um, also be an independent musician that collaborates with musicians that um, I admire. That's, uh, that's my biggest dream. All right. Like I said, very realistic one, actually. And so, you know, I would like to express the wish for you, for your dreams to become a reality when the time is right. Okay, so, yeah, what can I say? Thank you very much for being my guest today. It was really a huge pleasure, and I'm very happy to have you. And Yeah. If, you know, if, if to end this episode, if you would like to share anything with our listeners, you know, the final words should belong to the guest, of course. Thank you. First of all, thank you very much, uh, Armin, for inviting me. And um, it was a huge pleasure. I really enjoyed our conversation. Um, to share something with our listeners. Um, Oh, this is this is quite the responsibility, I, I would say. <laughs> um, yeah, if I can tell you something, listen to what Armin said today about following your dreams and staying true to yourself and dreaming big, uh, because these are wise words from a wise man, and I can only I can only double on that, and uh, I will I will take it as a as a message with me today and I encourage all of you to, to do that too yeah okay thank you so much thank you have a nice evening you too bye 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 you have been listening to Talking Spirits Podcast episode number 30 with Armin Alic and Julia Zions If you happen to be into music from the Balkans, please check out Krivadrina's debut album Arschdaba. You will definitely like it. You can support the Talking Spirits Podcast by sending PayPal donations to info at talkingspiritspodcast.com. As we speak, I'm already on tour with Henrik Freischleder and will be on tour for the next couple weeks. For this reason, most probably the next episode won't be released before November. If you feel like hooking up with me in real life, please check out the tour dates at www.henrikfreischleider.com and feel free to join us at a show close to you. As always, you can also reach out to me by writing a mail to info at talkingspiritspodcast.com or you can also contact me on Facebook or Instagram. I'm always looking forward to seeing you and hearing from you. Have a nice day. Bye bye.